the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome to Inside the Jets here at Vanderbilt Sports. Oh, one clap, one clap, two clap. There is the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Eric Allen alongside Bart Scott and rookie Jets running back Eli McGuire has also joined us. You're a rookie right off the bat. Yeah, man. I know he was a rookie. I didn't read the Scott report. I'm just a rookie. Hey, I have a big announcement to make for those uh, watching on NewYorkJets.com and on Facebook right now. Um, we have been moved to the kids' table yes. after Thanksgiving. The kids' picnic table. <laughs> They what? need to give us the styrofoam cups and the, or a sippy cup or a juice box, man. What, what happened to our table? What happened to our set, man? Eli, I feel horrible about this because typically inside the Jets starts off with us at a big table, and you're looking down. Right now we have been brought down to earth. So yeah, my apologies. They might as well gave us folding chairs, man. I'm just surprised they gave us a real chair with a cushion <laughs> on it. But it's all good. We're going to do what we can do. So, Eli, uh, Six-round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette. You're 11 games into your first NFL season. How do you feel physically? Because a lot of guys at this time that hurt. talk about hitting that rookie wall. Well, really, I'm, I'm like 15 games in, including the preseason. Yeah, that's right. But um, we, You know those are unofficial. We don't count those, by the way. <laughs> right, but I get a lot of playing time in the preseason, so <laughs> I get banged up pretty much. Uh, but at this this point of the season, uh, phys- physically, uh, I'm feeling great because you know I don't get that many reps. Uh, I just be ready when my when my number is called, and uh, when my number is called, I just do whatever I do I can do to help the team. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good at this point right now. So not just talking about your body, of course, you know, because you say your body's fresh, it feels good. But how is the game slowing down, and how are you seeing the field? You know, what's the difference between week one or week two? And now, how are you seeing the field different? Is the game slowing down for you? Most definitely, it's, it's slowing up a lot. Um, when I first started, everything was just moving fast paced. I didn't know what was going on. But now that I'm 11 weeks in, I'm watching more film, and uh, I know what's going on, uh, it slowed up a lot. Our player guest segment here on Inside the Jets is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. How about working in the backfield with consummate professionals like Bilal Paul and Matt Forte. How much have you enjoyed that? Man, it, it, it's been great, man. I couldn't pick two better guys to be in the room with, uh, two veteran guys that's been in the league in a long time. And uh, I just learned a lot. I've just been, been a sponge to those guys and just soaking up every knowledge that I can. And those guys are great teachers, and it's my job to listen to those guys. And it, it's been great. Listen to them. When you say listen to them, that mean get the donuts and, and bring the Popeye's chicken for them as well? Nah, they haven't done anything crazy like that yet. You don't have to get chicken? No, nah, only thing oh, I the get league is, is getting soft. <laughs> so, Bart, what did you used to have to do as a rookie for, they for should, the veterans? They used to call it the Bart Special, man. They had my stuff ready. Yeah? Yeah, I've seen rookies miss the plane because they were late with the chicken and they stood in line. That's why you got to place your order before practice and have it ready at a time. And also, I had to get steak and eggs, man. I cannot believe Wait till I talk to Matt Forte and Bilal Powell, man. <laughs> Things are going to change for the end of the season, man. You're going to get brought in the right way. So how do they welcome you into that running back room? Uh, just with open arms. Uh, 
just telling me to come in and just uh, try to learn everything that I can, uh, just listen, and uh, just be a great listener. See, I don't think you understood the question. He's not talking <laughs> about the nice stuff. He said, what have they told you? Like, you know, do you have to carry the pads? Do you have to carry the pads? Anything we want to know about the rookie experience. Are you telling me the rookie experience is now like being in the penthouse? Those guys haven't really told me to do anything crazy. Oh but I, I did carry the pass one time in camp. One yeah. time. One, one time, time in camp. One yeah. time, not bad. Uh, inside the Jets, I'm presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. How were you able, Eli McGuire, in your first professional season to have your offensive coordinator, John Morton, be so confident in you? Because a lot of guys who come into the National Football League who are six-round picks who are behind a Matt Forte and a Bilal Paul. They won't get the amount of work that you're getting. But John Morton said, hey, this guy's like a veteran the way he approaches this game. It's just being versatile. When you can run in and catch out the backfield, uh, it's just great. It's, it's hard to find those guys these days. So when you have three running backs that can do different things, uh, you, you got to use them in, in some kind of way. You got to use them. Now, what, how would you describe your style to somebody who's never seen you run the football before? Are you a one-cut guy? Or are you a scat back, you know, are you Shady or are you Terrell Davis? I'm Shady. you Shady? Okay. Shady. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the cutback is how you got the long touchdown run against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Your they, first touchdown in the NFL. First touchdown, yep. Can you describe that play for us? Well, yeah, it was, it was an outside zone to the left. And uh, on the outside zone, uh, you got to get everybody to flow. Right. So that's what happened. Everybody flowed to one side to cut off the field where I was going, where I was supposed to go. And they had a big, big lane, like right in the middle. So the offensive line did a great job of getting on their blocks. I did a great job of pressing the hole, setting it up, and found the crease uh, backside and uh, t made one guy miss and took it, t took it to the house. So, so I got to follow up here because in the locker room after that game when the Jets beat the Jaguars, I asked Eli, I said, what's that feeling like when you hit the second level and you know you're about to take it to the house. And he said, oh, you can cancel Christmas. <laughs> huh? Is that a line that you've used before and the, and the meaning behind that? Nah, that was my first time. But the reason I said that because uh, when you ain't open field like that and you've got nothing but green grass and you're running in open field and you got people chasing you, your goal is not to get caught. Yep. And that's just my goal, not to get caught. And I, I approach it as, as a dog is behind me. Yeah. So I, when, you, when the dog is behind you, you run he, fast as you can. He don't know nothing about that. You got to explain. <laughs> you got to set it up. Like in the hood, right, you got a lot of stray dogs, a lot of mutts. Hey. And at any time, you can turn the corner, whether you're walking back from the store, you're going from playing basketball in the street. They, they, they go dogs just come so, up and get they, you. They so apparently you. I've never been in the hood. This is what we're saying right now. You and got I, no street cred. And, and I, <laughs> I just want to say, too, I just adopted a dog from a, a kill shelter down in Kentucky. So, all right, that, he, he used to be a stray. You're a great guy, man. You're a great Thank guy. Thank you very much. That, 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 that stray dog's going to chase you too, Eli. Oh, okay, so Eli, right now the Jets 4-7 and seven after 11 games. Um, lately you've been having trouble, difficulty closing games in the fourth quarter. We think about Miami. We think about Atlanta. And most recently, Carolina. What do you think is happening right now to this team in the fourth quarter? Why you're not able to make those plays at a critical time that – would give you a victory? Well, in this past game we just had, uh, we played well for three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, we hurt ourselves with penalties. And they made more plays than we did. The special team play they made, the punt return. Uh, 
obviously a special team is huge in this league, and they made more plays than we did, and uh, we hurt ourselves with penalties of putting ourselves in the hole. What's the locker room like when you, you get there on a Monday? Because Jermaine Curse, veteran receiver who we've had here on this show, who I want to tell you, uh, career high in catches yeah. yesterday, Bart, and yeah. went over 100 yards receiving. Like I said, like we've said all year, Should Eli. Him? Did you tell him? No, I haven't told him yet. Tell him. Eli, good things happen to people who come here on Inside the Jets. So, fantasy advice for those at home. Eli McGuire. Pick him up on dry cream. Yeah, Get yeah, that you, money. You might have to pick him up this week as the Jets face the Kansas City Chiefs at MetLife Stadium. But Jermaine Kerr said, hey, listen, our confidence is not shaken right now. You still have a lot of confidence in the room, even though you've lost five out of six. Mm -hmm. Accurate. Uh, it just, it's not, our confidence is not uh, where we wanted to be because we had intentions on winning this game. Yeah. And uh, that was our goal. And coming out of halftime, we was up two, I think. And, That's uh, right, 12, I believe it was, uh, well, what was the score at half? 10-12. Well, you were yeah. up. Don't worry about it. You were up. Yeah, we was yeah. up. And uh, we just knew that we would come out uh, with, a, with a different game plan of just running the ball, trying to trying to punch the ball down their throat. And uh, But we hurt ourselves with, with penalties. And it's, it's hard to get yourself out of the hole when you when you got a lot of positive plays and then you get set back with negative. So it, it's hard. It's hard. Let me set this up. So what did you do? Let's, let's, let's digress to something a little less heavy. You don't even want to talk about the feeling and how mad he is and all that stuff. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. What, but how did you enjoy your first bye week and being able to kind of enjoy the fruits of your labor? Oh, the bye week was great, man. You know, I haven't, I haven't been home in like four months. So it was, it was good to get back to family and uh, see my mom and them, uh, just to spend time with them for a few days uh, before I get back to the job. So it, it was great, man. It was, it was fun to see my, see my family. Have they been able to come up here and watch you? They haven't, but they came to the first game. Okay. Uh, they came to Buffalo, so it was great for them to come to the first game. Any plans coming up here maybe perhaps in December where your family would have the opportunity to see you? Well, they will be in New Orleans. Okay. Because where I'm from, I live 45 minutes away from New Orleans, so they'll be, they'll be pretty deep in New Orleans. How special is that going to be for you in a few weeks when you go back and play the Saints? It'll be special, but uh, playing in the Dome is nothing new for me. Uh, when I was in college, we went to the New Orleans Bowl four years in a row, but i only been there three times, so it, 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 was, it was great. I can't now, wait. Now, let me give you some advice because, you know, what some people may not know is I do a financial literacy program with Morgan Stanley, uh, here we go. We talk about your finances. You know what I mean? You're going back your six-round draft pick. You're going back to New Orleans. You're going to get ticket requests from your, your elementary gym coach, principal. You got to find your bad cop. You're always good cop. Mm -hmm. You got to find your bad cop because you'll be looking up and you're – what people don't realize out there is we pay for tickets. We right, get right. two free tickets. Everything else is directly taken out of your check. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want a light check because it's almost Christmas time, let your mom be bad cop and only get your mama tickets. Just my advice. Well, Financial literacy style. I haven't, I haven't did anything. They, they, got their own, they got their own stuff. So oh, you got a good family, so man. Be, everything good. Were you a Saints fan growing up? No, nah, I wasn't nobody fan growing Re up. Really? Yes. Okay, let's talk about your Twitter right. handle. Uh, at Mr. Adversity. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick that? Well, the reason behind that is uh, I lost my dad at 12. Yeah. And when my dad passed, uh, I just wanted to quit everything. I just wanted to stop going to school, stop playing sports. But the people I had around me, they picked me up. So I had to face that adversity and just get back on my feet and doing what I, I love to do. 
What do you think your dad would think of you now, uh, being in the National Football League after, uh, you know, how much work you've put in along the way? And then you were drafted, of course, in April. Not only are you on this team, but you're uh, a contributor on this offense. Man, I believe he'll be the happiest man on this earth because uh, when I was young playing sports, he, he didn't miss no games. If he had to leave work early, he was there. Yeah. So I, I think he'll be pretty pretty happy. Uh, I know he's happy now uh, spiritually. So I'm just trying to continue to make him proud. You know what? My father told me one thing uh, when I when I made it. He said, son, you don't owe me anything but bragging rights. And um, I'm sure your father would say the same, and I'm sure he's up in heaven bragging with his chest out like a peacock. You know, and that's the only thing we owe our parents, and um, you've done a tremendous job in that. You know, people don't understand how hard it is to be a six-round draft pick to come in this league and try and make a name for themselves because – your opportunities are limited. So it speaks to your maturity, the fact that the limited, the, the limited opportunities you got, you obviously took full advantage of them, that they trust you to give you opportunity in the game. So, you know, congratulations to you, man. I'm sure your pops is really, really proud of you. Yeah. Appreciate uh, it. E Eli, what do you like about this offense uh, as far as the West Coast and um, uh, from a running back's perspective? Because obviously to play for John Morton, you got to be able to run the football, no doubt. But mm -hmm. you got to be adept at catching it out of the backfield, and you got to be willing to block as well. Right. Well, this is my first time in the West Coast offense. Uh, my four years in college, I was I was used to a no huddle and getting signals from the sideline. Uh, this huddle and stuff is new to me. But <laughs> being in the West Coast offense, uh, it's I think it's it's great, man, because it, it gives the running back a lot of opportunities uh, to get matched up with a linebacker and trying to win their one on ones. So I think that's what's the greatest thing about his offense. That's the one thing I noticed about this guy, Eli McGuire, in training camp was not only can he run the football, but he's got good hands, solid hands. That's the first thing that popped out at me during training camp about you, Eli, that you have a game that is complete and you're only going to get better in the National Football League. What about the verbiage of the offense? Because we had Chad Hansen on a couple weeks ago, the rookie receiver from Cal. And he said, hey, it's like a paragraph each play. From your perspective, what, what was it like learning the terminology? And I, I agree with Chad. It is, it is like a paragraph. It's, it's so complex. Call, call a play for the fans so they can get up. Yeah, I, I'd like I to hear one. I can't even do it. Come man, on. When I was learning this offense and I was, I was looking at the playbook and I was reading one of the plays and I seen an alert. Another play didn't kill another play. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. So just, it's like it's like three plays in the huddle at one time. So you got to know everything. You just listen to your part, right? Right. You just <laughs> to get to your part. You don't care nothing about the other one. Everybody else doing. Z left zoom right. Double pump. Jack. Was it overwhelming at first? The first night you get to camp, maybe, or you're at rookie uh, um, camp, rookie mini camp, and you look at this thing and you're like, whoa. It was man, because I was I was so afraid of just. Um, I was I was so afraid of messing up or making a mistake, and that's that's the quickest way to get out of this league. So I had to get in my playbook and just learn everything that I can and put it in the best way that I that I know how, and just apply it and just execute it on the field. When you start getting the game plan for the Chiefs, it's Monday right now. You guys come into the complex. You look at your mistakes. You put uh, Sunday's game away. But when do you start looking ahead individually at the Chiefs' defense? Uh, we. I'll start, I'll probably start tomorrow yeah. on Tuesday. You know, it's our off day. Um, I go in in the morning, get a little treatment, take care of my body, and go home, just watch some film. And then on, on 
Wednesday, just get the game plan and uh, just go from there. What does a running back have to pay attention to especially? Because I'm thinking about guys like him, a linebacker. you got to be looking at, at how the linebacker and the safeties are coming down on those run plays and also what they're doing in coverage. Right. Uh, as a running back, when I watch film, uh, if it's a run play, I look at the, uh, the technique of the defensive lineman uh, just to know where the ball might hit. And then in the past game, I look at the linebackers, uh, they depth, the safeties, the corners. And when, and when the blitz, when the linebacker blitz, I look at what they like to do if they're a bull guy or they're a finesse guy. What's, what's your personal goals for the rest of the season to finish strong? What, what goals have you set for yourself before the season and what goals have you set now? I haven't set any goals really, uh, but for the rest of the season, I just want to be better than I was five minutes ago. And I just wanted to be uh, the best guy and the best man that I can be in life. Guy's got a great attitude. That's Jets rookie running back Eli McGuire. Thank you so much for joining us. Eli, Eli, we will come right back here on Inside the Jets. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Bart Scott here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Um, FanDuel. Fantasy anal analysis brought to you by FanDuel. Have all the fantasy that football has to offer. So the fantasy advice uh, for the folks at home this week is get Eli McGuire. E Eli McGuire. He's probably um, out there in free agency. Maybe you need a backup running back on your fantasy team. Eli McGuire might punch it in to the end zone this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, let's talk about Jets, Carolina Panthers. Jets yes. do a lot of good things. Why weren't they able to come home with the victory? I think it's a lack of discipline. And, um, you know, you think about some of the untimely penalties and not really understanding how to, to finish. You know, one example of that is I know that the special team coach did not call a kick down the middle. That is a cardinal sin. You never kick a punt down the middle because what happens is if they have a left return on or a middle return on or a right return on, you give them an opportunity to run that play. You kick it to a side and try and pin them to a side. You got to you got to take away some of the field. Right, exactly. It's just like anything. Like when you're defending a somebody on a pass route or running back out of the backfield, you always have to declare a side to give them one way to exit. They kick the ball right down the middle of the field and they paid the price because what happens is everything times out because as a punt team, when you in coverage, what happens is you you're taught to spread out and fan out to your landmarks. Right. But then when you fan out to your landmarks, of course, people are getting out at different times. So what happens is now you have people that are running down the field on different levels. So what happens is if somebody hits it straight up the middle, you can't recover from that because nobody to overlap because everybody's at different levels and getting out at different times. And that's why when he hit it up the middle, it was nobody, it seemed like he was untouched. Where if you're on a side, then you have guys from to, that has angles because they can see where the return is going. They can retreat. Cardinal sin. Very uncharacteristic of the Jets this year because they've been covering kicks and punts very well. Uh, Lachlan Edwards has had a great season to date, not only in terms of yards per punt, but net yards. And you being a former special teams performer yourself earlier in your career, that's how you made your mark in the National Football yeah. League. Know that knows that. Net is the most important number when you're talking about punting. Unfortunately, Lachlan Edwards put that one out in the middle. Kalen Clay takes it to the house. But before that, Josh McCown gets pressured. There's a breakdown in protection. 
He's trying to dirt the ball. Right. Unfortunately, not able to get the ball out in with a forward throw. Instead, it's a fumble. Luke Keekley takes it the other way, and all of a sudden you have a 15-point run right. from the Panthers. And, and, and that's what's so demoralizing. What happens is you're playing you know, so great, and then two plays – or 15 seconds, and, and you're down, you know, 15 points, you know, scored on a board, and you've been battling to get that, you know, get that, uh, get that lead, and you lose it that fast. And what happens is, you know, the game is about ebb and flows. You know, momentum, it, it, it changes on a dime. And when it gets it, you have to try and play discipline and, and lean on your fundamentals to try and get momentum to swing back your way. And I feel like Josh McCown in that instance, instead of just saying, okay, we're playing good defensively, we're in the game, let's just eat the sack and right. live to fight another day, he's trying to dirt it while he's already being engulfed by a defender, and you never know. He comes up with an empty hand, he's trying to throw it all. And even if he was going to make the pass and the pass was going to go forward, it still was a great possibility that it probably was going to be tipped or because he's been thrown back, it's going to be intercepted. So, you know, it's just one of those things. They, they keep taking turns and having bad plays. You know, you think about, you know, Jordan Jenkins. You think about the, the roughing the pass. The right. offsides penalty, the roughing, uh, roughing the passer from Mike Pinnell late in that ball game. Right, and at some point, you know, one of the best things I've seen, I saw yesterday was after the game, Marcus made crying. Yeah. Right? It's because we're defined by our losses, right? Because – the, the pain that he feels now is going to propel him in the offseason to become a better player. It's also our part of the scar tissue that all great football teams have, especially when you're a young football team. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of, you know, losing. And then what happens is when everybody starts to pay attention when you're successful, they forget the journey. They forget the Seattle Seahawks' journey before they got Russell Wilson, when they were coming of age, when they were learning those lessons. Yeah, because they were winning seven, eight games a year. And remember, they went into free agency, signed a guy by the name of Matt That's Flynn. Right. They gave him a lot of money and said, well, he's going to be our quarterback maybe. And, oh, by the way, they took a quarterback out of Wisconsin in the third round, a little guy by the name of Russell Wilson, who has became, become a monster in the National Football League. And I think, you know, I think it, this is, these are going to be the things that they remember. They're laying a foundation, but they have to start learning from their mistakes. You know, we don't want to see them coming up and, and, and beating themselves in tight games. And that's, what's, that's what hurt the most because they came out, they look fresh, they yes. play with a lot of energy, they play with a lot of poise, but it's a lot of missed opportunities out there. We both we were talking off the air about Safarian Jenkins. You know, okay, the one of the, the drops were con controversial, Right, because you know, I believe that he had possession of. I believe it's a touchdown. I don't know what a catch is in the NFL anymore. Well, I don't know either, and I need somebody to uh, define a catch for me. And we might have to have somebody on uh, from the National Football Get League. Get Dean Blandino. I, 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 let's cuss him out. Yeah, maybe we'll bring in Dean. He doesn't work for the NFL anymore. He's, yeah, but he never caught a ball before in his life, and he was in, he's enforcing the rules. He 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 wrote some of those rules. He taught the person that. That's, that's interpreting the so, rules. So huh? you mentioned ASJ. He manned up after the game. He said, I have to make that catch in the Jets' first possession yeah. where John Morton had a tremendous play call, and McCown put the ball on, on, the a, on ASJ's hands. Unfortunately, the, he wasn't able to corral it. And then, like you're mentioning, then late in the game, again, God, Austin <coughs> – I don't know what he's doing to officials, but it feels like they, <laughs> got, it, karma, man. they got it out for him. Um, and everybody's talking about the play calling there uh, with the Jets and John Morton, first and goal at the one, incomplete. But 
reality says second and goal at the one, you throw the fade, it's a touchdown. Yeah, you, and you got to think. And, man, and you, then, then nobody's you got, you questioning can, the play calling at that point. You have a 6'5", 260-pound tight end against a corner. It's a mismatch. It's the same thing that we see with Jimmy Graham. It's the same thing that we see with Rob Gronkowski. You have to put Safarian Jenkins in that same breath. He's that talented. And he's a guy that was brought in and drafted in the first round because of those talents. And you got to put him in a position. And he made the play. In my opinion, he made the catch. You know, but, you know, they just didn't get the end result, which was the seven points on the board, which would have been huge. And you have to, you know, figure out to make sure that you make that catch more def definitively. All right, we're going to come back here on Inside we, the Jets. Again, we, we, again. we will put the Carolina game to bed. We will look ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs coming to MetLife Stadium this week and bringing is it, a former is, Jet. Is it still Rivas Island or is it Rivas? Uh, Darrell Rivas. And we have plenty more to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Bart Scott here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham <laughs> Hamilton Park. Yes, the folks are excited that you are here. The Mad Packer. Bart all, three, all three of them. No, hey, uh, you know what? It's just a table. I think people were scared off. They saw the table. It had changed. So I, I, feel, I feel like I did something wrong, man. I had to go sit there at the kid table. I, I don't know. I don't know. Has there been any announcements well, about Bart the, Scott lately? I don't know. I mean, I haven't been following what's been happening well, in the news or anything like that. Um, Bart, let's put a wrap on this uh, Carolina ball game. How, how do the Jets now have to respond to this? Because this has happened to them. Not just a couple times. It's happened to them on three occasions right. as they've lost five out of six now. I think it has to be a point of focus, um, maybe even getting some type of symbolic object really? so, so that they can come to the sideline and it's a re constant reminder. And, you know, it becomes a force, of, a, a point of emphasis. Because what happens is sometimes you go in, you say, hey, we're going to play a clean game, we're going to play smart. And then you lose focus because you focus from play to play and you forget about what the theme of the game is all about. You know, sometimes you, know, you go in the game and say, okay, we're going physicality and all week. It's physicality, physicality. And you're, you, if you remember, you remember um, back in the day, the New Orleans Saints, they had the bat. Some guys in Jacksonville, they had the axe. Right. Maybe, maybe putting something on the sideline or uh, a reminder. So you like that, huh? Yeah, put a Care Bear or something out there, man. Something, I don't know, something that, they, that can <laughs> remind them that when they come to the sideline that, hey, we're going to play smart. A Care Bear? Care Bear. Uh, hey, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm dating myself, man. I'm, I mean, a, I'm an 80s baby. It's so. going to be Christmas in a couple of weeks, but I don't know if yeah. anybody's doing us anymore. Care Bear. Put a little baby Einstein or something on, on, on the bench. <laughs> so when they come back, they see how oh, So you got to play smart, baby exactly, Einstein. Exactly. Do you, you like play the, smart. do you like the turnover chain? I like the turnover chain Down because what Miami. happens is it's like good karma. When you, when, you, when, you, when you focus on something so much, it, it starts to happen. You start to believe, and you get the first one, then you believe that you can get the second one. And then what happens is it's all about positive thinking. You yep. know? So what happens is it's fun. So guys are out there, and they're, they're thinking about when I'm out here, okay, let me really go and try and knock the ball out. Let's not just make the tackle because we got the turnover chain. And that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes things, symbols, you know, remind us to go out and, and focus on certain things, not just go for the, the big hit or, hey, let's try and get the ball out. You know, we used to do that before. Well, I can't mention, well. 
You're not going to go there wherever you were going. But press pause on that right now. <laughs> just just uh, some cash prizes and if you get certain things, uh, you know what I mean? All right. So um, great job, I thought, by Morris Claiborne. And Buster Screen had one of his better games. The yeah. Jets got their hands on a lot of footballs. I believe Cam Newton just 11-28. Did you like what you saw from the Jets' corners? By and large, because they weren't perfect. Nobody, Fu- nobody's perfect. Devin Funches got free for a, over 100, and that was the first receiver the Jets had played this year that had 100 yards receiving. I mean, but that's just one. You know yep. what I mean? That was Cam's go-to guy, and um, he made some good plays. But, you know, the other team, you know, gets paid too. You know, I, I like that, you know, Buster was disciplined. You, yep. you talk about the tennis balls and not grabbing and things like that. And I think, you know, because once again, something that made you focus on your job and not doing something that sometimes can become instinctive. You know, I, so I thought they did a great job. And, and listen, they played good enough to win the game. You know, and, and I know they're tired of going there. And what happens on Monday when you lose the game, you know, they talk about all the good stuff, and then they put the five plays that cost you the game. Right. And it's never one, but it's, it's two or three that really are pivotal in the outcome of the game. And I thought that the missed opportunities for the touchdown catches were, were one, the punt down the middle of the football field, and trying to, to throw the ball while you were being sacked were the game were the biggest plays in the game that contributed to the loss. You take those game those plays away, then you punt the ball and you make Cam have to earn it and maybe you have a different outcome. I, I, I still think people are not giving the Jets enough credit for the talent inside the building. There are definite holes on this roster that yeah. they're going to have to take a look at in the offseason, whether pro free agency or the draft, and make some improvements. But with that being said, we're talking about seven, eight plays during a game, right. and they lost by five points. Five points. So the margin of error is small. I agree to a certain extent, but we can look at seven or eight of these plays and say, if they happen, the Jets win. See, the greatest thing about this season, EA, is that you're developing a culture, a culture of accountability, a culture of hard work, a culture of passion. You can see when they're out there, they're playing with a lot of energy. And yeah, because you up. mentioned that early, that the Jets came out and they played with juice off the break. Some teams would come off a break, and even though that they were at home – be a little lethargic early. Todd yep. Bowles has these guys ready to roll each and every week. Last year, this was a team that, frankly, was lacking the juice. Right, exactly. And let me tell you something. The rest of the league are paying attention. It's not about the wins or losses this year, right? The rest of the league is paying attention. And, and guys that would say, you know what, maybe I wouldn't want to come to New York. Now they're saying, you know what, they're on the they're on the come up. They're, yeah, they're, and, they're on the rise. And I can be part of something. And I can be a part of something. They have a good culture. We see this. I'm, I'm watching on the screens here. I'm watching the Knicks. Because of the way they play together, their record isn't great, but because the way they play together, other free agents are going to say, you know what, I'll come and play for the Knicks now. And that's what happens. We all watch. We want to win, but we want to have fun, and we want to enjoy our work environment. And when you watch these young boys play, you see they play with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion, and they care about their teammates. It's not a selfish team. So now the future is bright because you're going to have guys that may take less money to come play here where they would have said, you know what, I crushed, I crushed, yeah, I where they the might have, my list. Yeah, they might have looked at this uh, situation before and said, 
you know what, I don't know what's happening there. I don't want to be part of it. But like you're saying, the Jets will head into this offseason with a lot of money. They still want to build this team through the draft, but they've set themselves up to pro-free agency if they want to address some of their young guys in-house, but they also can address some holes with some younger players in pro-free agency. I don't expect Mike McKagan to go out yeah. there with the crazy spending because that's not going to be the answer. We talk about teams each spring who wins who the wins the free agency, yeah. and that team never does anything the following year. Well, you know, uh, McCagney has made that mistake already, right? When he went out and he he paid Revis, he went out and got uh, Marshall, and you know tried to win that year. And but it, those it, guys it, produced early on. Well, but no, but what I'm saying is it, did, it didn't work out with Decker, right? When you know, remember, uh, Isaac had a lot of salary cap space, yes. and they went out and they spent it in two years, and they had to blow it all up again. This time, you want to build it more through the draft, yep. more consistently. Just because you have the cash doesn't mean you have to spend all of it. You know, you have to spend the part that the NFL says you have to spend, but you can spend it over more players and just dumping a lot of money on one or two right, players. Right, and the other thing is about when you look at a roster in the National Football League over the course of 16 games, you guys put your bodies on the line. Not everybody's playing 16 games. Right. And now we look at rosters at this point in December – you have to depend on people who are not just your starters, but the guy behind him. And that's how you build a roster. And that's the beauty of this year because a lot of these guys won't be household names going forward. But what happened is now they have experience. And maybe you bring in somebody that's going to start above them and they become the backups, but now you have confidence in your backups. So what happens is you're only as strong as your weakest link. So what happens is a guy goes down, you plug a guy in, and guess what? You're still you're still rolling because they understand how to play and they've had that experience. Well, guess what? We have another segment here. We do? Uh, and inside the Jets, Eric Allen and Bart Scott will be right back here from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. All right, we're back here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. Eric Allen and Bart Scott. Uh, Bart, I would say the drive of the game, the drip, uh, excuse me, the trip of the game is brought to you by Antigua and Barbuda. The beach is just the beginning. I give it to uh, John Morton and the Jets offense. Down 32-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter. They responded with a must-score possession. And Morton was patient. He stuck to the run game and then eventually went upstairs to Jermaine Curse and Josh McCown culminated that possession with a three-yard scoring pass to Curse. I thought that was a great drive because Morton did not panic. The Jets were down 12 after that run from the Panthers, and he stuck to the ground, remained patient against the Carolina Panthers. They went down the field, and they gave themselves a chance to get back in the ballgame. I think he's a, he's a great play caller. I think he has the, the feel of, of the team and, and, the, and the, the way that the game is starting to take, take shape and understanding that, you know, of course, the first couple of plays that, you know, when you're trying to come back, they're playing for the big play. Yeah, and you can't get 12 points in one play. Exactly. So what happens is if they're giving away the big run, you know, they get in a light box and you, you take it. And then what happens is they got to show their hand because they start to realize, okay, we're giving up 10-yard 10, 10 chunks, you know, so let, let, let's put an eighth man in a box. And when that, when that opportunity presents itself, then you go up top. The, other, the other thing that Morton did against the Panthers that I really liked is he exploited the weaknesses because Carolina went in that game, if he really looked at it, solid at all three levels, but – 
They had some cornerback issues. Captain Munnerlin yep. not in the ball game. Shaq Thompson, a wonderful athlete, he was playing inside a lot. So the Jets took advantage of Jermaine Curse. I also thought we're seeing Robbie Anderson continue to develop. The Jets are moving him all over the place, and we're seeing what he can do. Both Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse go for over 100 yeah. yards against Carolina. I mean, I think when you really, you know, break down the, the rushing numbers, too, they, they weren't as bad as people thought. You no. know, they were spread out over three players. But if you add them all up, I believe it was 121 yards. You know, if you want to add, add Josh McCown off 26 carries, that's not too bad. You know, but I think um, definitely uh, Robbie Anderson is coming into his own. He's playing with a lot of confidence. I like to see him show a little bit more maturity than not talk about the Pro Bowl, understanding that's not the right time to talk about that. Todd Bowles did address that. He said that Robbie and I talked about it. I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah, but, you know, that, that showed that, that that can be, um, you know, seen as selfish. You yeah. know, so uh, I think he'll learn from that and understanding that, listen, he has a long way to go before he gets there. You know, and you don't, when, when, when you're a pro bowler, you don't have to uh, campaign for it. The other thing that gets overlooked in all this is the Jets' third down defense was tremendous. I believe Carolina finished 3 of 14 on third down. That was the NFL's number one ranked offense on third right. down. So hopefully they can build on that this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, well, you know why? Because they won and they were successful in trying to slow down the run. You never stop the run. You know, Carolina Panthers are a very physical football team, talented, and with the read option, you know, Cam Newton gives them a, a different dimension. Put, that puts a lot, a lot of, teams of pressure on the defense. Absolutely. That. What I would like to see them do, though, is really figure out, you know, this offset back stuff because I saw, that, you know, a couple of times the linebackers are still getting, you know, tricked with the uh, formation recognition and they have to come up with some type of scheme schematically where you can call to get help either from the DN or you're going to have to pass those routes because they were getting picked. You know, and even though the last one, you know, to McCaffrey was a little bit too far, he still was open. So it's just things like that you're going to have to learn. And I think they'll do that. They'll see that this week because, you know, you talk about one of the best play callers in the game and Andy Reid, and he's going to see that Kareem Hunt is struggling. Um, he, he, he talked about somebody starting well, off. Well, so, so can Todd Bowles take anything from the Buffalo Bills defensive game plan where they played nickel the whole game predominantly – putting an extra man in the box and played zone in the back end. Well, I think so, man. I think right now Alex Smith is starting to feel the pressure. You know, we talk about, you know, Mahomes, you know, you know, breathing on his heels, and now people are talking about maybe, you know, he needs to, to be benched, you know, no. after he started off pushing the ball down the field. Now I think he's starting to, 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 to really be scared of, to push the ball down the field because he, now he's afraid of mistakes, and now when you start thinking about it, so he's not playing well. He's turning the football over. You talk about that costly pick that he had yesterday where he basically threw it to a wide-open defender that was just sitting there doubling. You know, if you can take away Kelsey and, and try and limit, you know, Tyre, um, you can't let Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you can't get, let Tyreek Hill yeah. get loose. But I think you talk about somebody hitting the rookie wall, I think Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt, even though he may not be the best player, he's the most important player because he's the guy that's easier to get the ball to because all you have to do is turn around and give it to him. You just got to turn things back inside uh, for him where I think the Jets go into this ball game. Much like last week, it's a little bit different because Cam Newton, far different quarterback than Alex Smith. But I think the Jets – 
have a big time advantage up front. Their, their defensive line going against that Chiefs offensive line. And you talk about the lack of depth again because they have so many players that make so much money. You talk about Houston. You talk about Alex Smith. You talk about Eric Berry. You know, a lot of guys that, you know, that are in the top one or two in their, in their respective positions. And what happens is they have that lack of depth and they've had a lot of injuries. And now you're starting to see that they don't have the depth. And now they're trying to supplement guys and try and figure out different ways, but they can't do what they did early in the season. What the Jets have to do is make sure that they don't get healthy against them. They don't get confidence against them because they're going to be facing a very, very desperate football team because the Chargers are on their heels. And things can turn around quickly in the National Football League. We saw the Jets put the Buffalo Bills in a tailspin, but then a Buffalo team who you thought – would get run out of the stadium at Arrowhead, went into Kansas City, and they were the desperate team, and they took care of business with a good defensive effort. Uh, defensively, were you surprised that your former coach, Bob Sutton, and the rest of the Chiefs organization decided to pick up Darrell Rivas because he could be playing opposite one of the game's uh, top cornerbacks and Marcus Peters this weekend. Marcus Peters, you got to love him, man. He reminds me a lot of Delta O'Neal because he'll, he'll jump anything, man. Yeah. He has supreme confidence in himself, but he'll give up the big play as well. And I think that Revis is, is a security uh, blanket that they want to have for the playoffs. I don't know if you see Revis in the first three or four weeks of him being there. They got to get him up to game speed. And what you would hate to do is give him a two-year contract and have him pull his hamstring because no matter what he's been doing in Miami and training, and I'm sure he's been preparing. So you don't think he, we're going to see a lot of him this week? I don't think so. I think you know they'll maybe work him in week three as they try and maybe work him into a nickel package, things like that. Because what happens is you saw it happen with Le'Veon Bell. You see it all the time when guys come in midseason late they try and play at game speed, and they're not adept to it because they haven't really ramped themselves up, and they pull hamstrings, he, he, have soft tissue injuries. And the other thing, people are asking about whether he's going to be working the slot. I just can't see that uh, for Darrell Rivas. That was never his deal, even in the prime of his career. Well, he, he did that against Wes Walker. Uh, when he, he, he shadowed Wes Walker, and Wes Walker always went to the slot. You know, what people don't realize – the fact that Revis hasn't played in a while has allowed a lot of those little nagging injuries. As somebody who retired, yeah. those nagging injuries to heal up. So if he's a healthy Revis, then he's worth his weight in gold because he can help you because now he's going to be going against the second and third receiver because they have a number one corner in Peters. But, but the thing that Kansas City does that's uh, interesting on the defensive side, they don't move. They won't shadow. Like Darrell, when he was here back in the day, we know. We watched – Rex Ryan, uh, at times, you know, send him with, right. with, with the opponent's uh, top receiver. Um, Marcus Peters is going to stay to his side predominantly. That's the way they do it in Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. But Bob Sutton knows Revis very well. So if Peters has to move because Revis is more comfortable here, I think he'll set Revis up for success because when you're the number one corner, you have to travel. We saw that happen late in, in Richard Sherman's career too. You know, later in a couple of years when he was a shot down corner and always played on the left side. If we need you to move that way, you know, you want this money, uh, you'll move. Fascinating matchup, but you think the Jets have to be prepared for a wounded animal in the Kansas City Chiefs. Desperate, desperate. You talk about they're sputtering out of control. You have a veteran who knows that he's probably not going to be there next year. He knows that he has to up his resume so that he can go to the, to the, to the highest bidder next year. And he knows that he, the time is now. This may be his last opportunity to win a Super Bowl. We got about 45 seconds left here on Inside the Jets. 
Bark Scott and I will be at MetLife Stadium for the Madden. Yeah, man, you gave Madden away. Jets Jets Madden back. Throw it back, throw it back, son. Throw uh, it back. Uh, oh, there, there it is. For the Facebook, we'll oh, be here. Oh, no, we don't want to see that because there's somebody on the cover we don't really like. That's cool. We get to blow that up afterwards. Uh, we get to poke. We can put mustache on it. We can put boogers in his nose. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Here you go, kid. Yeah, we're not even gonna tell you who's on the cover. But uh, are you excited for Wednesday night at MetLife Stadium? Do you? Did you ever play men? Ever? I. Played Madden until I got into the NFL, and Madden didn't put me on the game for the first three years. And I thought he knew something that I didn't know that I was going to get cut or something because he never put my actual face on it. I was just number 57. Disrespectful. All right, we'll Madden. see you at MetLife Stadium so Wednesday night. Thanks for everybody so who came out tonight.